decided to jump in the car Thursday evening and, and beat it on to Tennessee. I got in uh, yesterday evening, so it was a, a fast 24 hours. But uh, I'll be able to meet with uh, Ruth and the girls and so on today as well. And uh, then there are other health problems back in this direction as well, uh, some fairly serious ones with others, so I decided that it would be a good idea to come back and visit the sick and try to take care of the situation and uh, be with Linda. Uh, it appears that that heart surgery will occur on Monday, so uh, well, I would appreciate everyone's prayers for Tom. He's our newest, at least first time baptized member. Uh, he and Linda have been listening to the broadcast for several years and it took a while to get the situation all done from a fire. We got them baptized last year. But, uh, now things are, are moving forward, but it seems there is a great deal of sickness and, and illness and all kinds of afflictions that God's people have, and it appears to be increasing over the last few months. So this just gets worse and worse. Uh, I'm not discouraged by it. Uh, Marley even told me Thursday, I think it was, before I left, that uh, she found it encouraging. And in a way, I do too. Uh, we do have Isaiah 35 and many other scriptures which indicate that God is going to do a great deal of healing right here at the end before Christ returns and probably even before the Great Tribulation if we understand the flow of events properly. And that will be, I think, a major part of people beginning to be stirred and come to where God is working. So, wherever that is, and I hope it is with us, uh, <clears throat> then if the blind can see, the deaf hear, the lame walk, and the dumb speak, and so on, like Isaiah 35 seems to indicate, then... Uh, you got to have people that are in those conditions in order for those healings to occur, and it seems that we're getting closer and closer to uh, needing God's intervention at the big way soon. So it's encouraging that maybe he is bringing, allowing these things to occur, and they may show his glory before it's over. And in the meantime, we have trials and troubles and tribulations, and issues that we have to face to help repair us and get us ready spiritually as well. And as someone said this week, uh, a minister long ago had told them that, uh, well, you know what happens when you pass a trial, don't you? Well, what's that? Well, you get a bigger one. And uh, that seems to be the case if we're going to make progress toward God's, toward God's kingdom and to be more like he is then we have to have obstacles and we have to overcome them. We have to grow. And <laughs> excuse me, and uh, be spiritually prepared to be a part of the kingdom of God and to have the kind of character and attitudes and so on that he wishes us to have. So we will have many afflictions and difficulties in this life, and it seems as we're getting toward the end of this age now, it's just increasing and being worse. So I want to pick it up again in Psalm 119, uh, because it does, it, this whole context has a lot about this. I know we have to 
pray for one another, certainly keep each other in mind as troubles and trials get stronger and worse and worse. We need to seek God, to seek His face, to have Him turn and and intervene until the time of complete healings begins. But we do even at this point need intervention. So uh, you might remember Dwight Lowe as well. He had a mild heart attack recently, and uh, I saw him. When was it? I guess Wednesday. Uh, and he's having difficulty getting enough oxygen to his brain because his heart has uh, got an irregular beat, and therefore it affects his energy levels and even his thought processes if he's not getting enough oxygen there. And he had asked to be taken off song leading. Uh, most of you haven't led songs, but uh, if you do, you will find that the effort of both singing and beating your arms in the air at the same time, even if you're in pretty good shape, is a challenge because uh, you're trying to breathe, sing, and beat your arms, and it takes a great deal of energy and a lot of air and oxygen to do it. So uh, Dwight won't be leading songs at least maybe occasionally, but not on a regular basis now until uh, his situation gets better. Uh, we got down to verse 89 here in this psalm, and I want to pick it up there. It says, Forever, O Eternal, your word is settled in heaven. God's way of doing things, his way of living, is settled. It's a done deal. Uh, Satan messed that up when he rebelled and took a third of the angels with him. And uh, God has dealt with Satan and is in the process of the final dealings with Satan uh, and mankind and Satan's influence on mankind. But God's kingdom and God's universe are going to be according to his ways, to his laws, to the best way to live. We're in a world today that has nothing settled. They're making new laws by the thousands and tens of thousands every year, everywhere, trying to get society to work in such a way that people can live in peace and in harmony and love and in kindness and uh, without war and with security and all kinds of things that mankind would desire but can't seem to achieve. And the only way that is going to come is through, well, Psalm 119 is a good example, really, uh, because every verse in this chapter, I mean, yeah, in this chapter, and there are 176 of them, I believe, yes, uh, mentions God's laws, his statutes, and his ways. They are the way of love. So Psalm 119 really is a, a chapter about love. And in fact, the whole Bible is. Uh, we rarely give any kind of a sermon or sermonette that is not based on love. We talk about love constantly because as John, who had probably more love than any of the disciples even, and was very close to Christ as a result, uh, wrote some very piquant and very revealing things about God and what his love really is, and he said, this is the love of God, that you keep the commandments. So everything that we talk about, everything that we read in the Bible, has to do with the relationship between God and man, and between man and man. 
and all of his statutes, all of his laws, all of his judgments are written down to make relationships right, to make them peaceful, to make them happy, to make them uh, in such a way that all human beings can get along with one another. So that's what love is. And if we keep his commandments properly, that is, love God with all our hearts first of all, and do things the way he says do them, and then do unto our neighbors as we would have them do unto us, show love toward our neighbors, and then we have perfect love, and that casts out fear, it casts out a lot of, of negative emotion. So, the way to express God's love is to keep all our thoughts and all our actions within the guidelines of his laws, his statutes, and his judgment. That will make our relationships work, and that then is what love is all about. That's why when the Protestants have just a, I would say, a gooey emotion about love and the love of God and brother, brotherly love and so on, they, uh, they miss the entire point because they lie and cheat and steal and backbite and, and uh, say bad things about one another and accuse each other, which is Satan's job, not ours. And they don't have any guide or any direction in how to run the relationships. That's what the law of God is. It regulates relationships. It shows us how to get along with one another. If people are not getting along, then they are not following the laws, the statutes that are revealed in the Bible. And from end to end of the Bible, that's what it talks about. People may say, well, we talk about the commandments all the time, where most of the religious world thinks commandments are done away with. No, we understand they are not done away with, but I don't know that we always grasp the connection between God's way of relationships fitting exactly upon the framework of his law, because his words lead us to happiness, to peace, to security, and they are what define his love. They are what tell us how he lives, how he thinks. That's why it's so important throughout the Bible that God's commandments and his instructions are followed because that provides a path of, of uh, relationships to work together and produce the kind of love that is God's love. His love can have a great deal of emotion, yes, but it isn't all about emotion. It's about how we treat one another. We're accusing one another, then we're following Satan's way. He is the accuser of the brethren, and if we are accusing and saying negative things and hurtful things about one another, or negative things about one another, then we're playing into Satan's hand. We're not going God's way because Satan is everything about rebellion, negativity, finding fault, finding wrong finding anything that is ungodly and then exploiting that. We humans tend to do the same thing. And if we do, then as Christ told the Pharisees, we are of our father, the devil. Uh, 
God the Father isn't a father who produces that kind of fruit or that kind of works of the flesh as we got into somewhat on Pentecost. So God's way, his laws, is forever settled in heaven. Satan was banned from heaven except being allowed for a short time now to go up and accuse us before God. And shortly that will be cut off and will never more be allowed. God was not like that. He does not enjoy Satan coming and making all the accusations and negative comments he makes. But he has decided, since he had put Satan as the ruler of this earth, to let him play out his time and let him affect men as well in the meantime uh, so that we might learn that Satan's way of doing things is wrong <laughs> and it leads to all kinds of heartache and problems. We look at the world today and uh, they don't believe in God's way of life and his laws. It's not settled in their hearts and therefore we have all kinds of thievery and fraud and broken marriages and no marriages people being married three or four times and giving up on marriage and just living in relationships. And on and on it goes in this sin-sick world today. People are not happy. <clears throat> Even a Satan is not happy. He rebelled more than any human being has against God's law. And he is the unhappiest individual in the universe. So we all have to settle things in our minds. It's too bad we can't settle them in the same way that God does, so that they're ironclad and will always be that way. But we fall short in so many ways, even though we're committed to go God's way, it still is not an easy thing. But he has settled it with the 24 elders that are there, with the angels. He is settling it in our hearts and minds so that we can be a part of his kingdom and help teach his rules, his laws, his ways so that all mankind might love one another, and above all, love him. But it's the only way to peace that there ever will be. So, indeed, this chapter is a chapter on the love of God, because it emphasizes constantly and all the way through the things that lead to loving relationships and to peace and happiness. He says in verse 9, your faithfulness is unto all generations. You have established the earth, and it abides. So he settles things in heaven. He also then has uh, started the generations of mankind from Adam on down. And he has established those in the earth, and to this day they remain. They remained when the Psalms were written, and they remain even to this day. He says, they continue to stay according to your ordinances for all are your servants. So he has settled in heaven and established on the earth that everything is supposed to work according to his ordinances and his rules. Now that is not happening on the earth as it is in heaven. That's why he tells us to pray that his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It is done there now with the temporary exception of Satan being allowed to accuse you and me. But that will stop soon, and it will abide that way forevermore. He will be kept permanently cast down uh, at the time that the tribulation begins. 
Unless your law had been my delights, I should then have perished in my affliction. And what divides us from the rest of the world, by having God's spirit and understanding of his law and his way, and we have set ourselves to follow his way, well, if not, we will be like the world out there, perishing in our affliction. They have misused and abused every health law, every relationship law. They polluted the earth, ruined it. We live now in chemicals instead of the things that God has created for us to eat to give us health, strength, and look at us today as a world. We're a mess, and the church itself is afflicted with some of that same problem, just like Israel was in Mithraim before God made a difference. So we're suffering right along with it. We're here to learn and to settle in our hearts God's way so that we are something that he would want to continue to preserve, not cause to perish. I will never forget your precepts, for with them you have quickened me, you have enlightened me, you You've made me alive, whereas the rest of the world around is dead and dying. And we must remember that his precepts are what lead to peace, happiness, and love, and kindness, and gentleness, and good relationships. You can't have them otherwise. <clears throat> you are either on purpose or inadvertently keeping some of God's ways if you have any kind of level of peace. He said even some of the Gentiles that don't know God understand in their societies that they're not supposed to lie, cheat, and steal uh, because it ruins society. So even apart from God, they're following a way of God without even knowing that it has anything to do with God. And that's the only thing that does work. So whether it's inadvertent and by accident in a way, human knowledge and wisdom, or whether we truly understand God's way and follow it, uh, is neither here nor there. It's just that once we do understand and should follow, uh, we should have a greater level of success than the heathen societies that by, by accident realize, no, we can't live that way if we're going to have peace in our society. Uh, but we do not keep them properly either, and that's why we still have relationship problems one with another. Instead, if we, if we get the works of the flesh sometimes instead of the fruit of the Spirit of God, <coughs> as a result of not following what Psalm 119 and the rest of the Bible really have to say. Verse 95, the wicked uh, have waited for me to destroy, or waited to destroy me, but I will consider your testimonies. The wicked are out there, uh, and we are even to one degree or another wicked ourselves, and we kind of wait for one another sometimes to, to try to trip each other up or to find fault with one another. And we play into Satan's hands, as I said. But I will consider your testimonies. You know, God tells us to be meek, to be humble, and not full of pride, vanity, and ego. But it's usually our pride and our ego that gets in the way and is one of the primary reasons that we have relationship problems with one another. We're not as humble as we ought to be. And we are so quick to defend ourselves 
to try to prove we're right and somebody else is wrong, and we create rifts and problems among ourselves when we do that because we get in attitudes. And we then are negative and in a put-down attitude and talk about one another and various things like that. So really we're just doing like the wicked in the world when we do that. Uh, we lie and wait for one another to find fault or say it is his or her fault or whatever. Certainly not my fault because I'm above that. It had to be somebody else always that created the problem. Can't be us. Uh, well, that's just lack of humility, and that's one of God's ways, one of the first things that he mentions there in Matthew 5, that we are to be like. But we get so proud that we have trouble getting along. God is humble all the way through. Satan is proud and vain and egocentric. And we're playing into his hands when we... We act that way, which we, of course, all too often do. But we're learning. We're growing. I, I do believe that. And some of the recent sicknesses and so on, and, and the way people have fixed in and helped and sacrificed their time, their energy, their money, their themselves, this living sacrifice that shows me that we have an awful lot of love. It bothers me once in a while when somebody says, well, there's no love around here. Uh, I think there's an awful lot of love around. I think there are a lot of good things that are happening in our community and in our group, whether it be scattered abroad or there in one spot or not. Uh, an awful lot of love is being shown. It may not be always according to the Methodist or Baptist definition. I don't know, but it certainly is according to the things that God tells us to do, and that's to sacrifice ourselves for the sake and the needs of other people. So, yeah, we may still have carnal reactions and difficulties and struggle to keep God's laws, which are the way of love, but at the same time, uh, a lot of his love is showing. So let's not lie and wait for one another. Let's be forgiving and merciful and kind and not keep store and, and uh, keep a tote board of, in, our, in our minds, if not on paper, of the offenses of someone else, let's bypass those and move on. Satan goes before God to accuse us of those things. That's his problem, not our problem, unless we make it our problem. I have seen an end of all perfection. It's your commandment. It's exceeding broad. I think he means by that that there is perfection available. Uh, it, it is a possibility. Uh, and you might see some things that are done right here and there. But his commandment is exceeding broad. It covers every facet of life. Uh, it covers everything about human relationships. If you're having any kind of a relationship problem, you can find one of God's commandments that will solve that problem. You might have to meditate on it, think about it a great deal come to understand better than perhaps we often do. But there is an answer to every problem that we have within the commandments of God. It is such a broad, all-encompassing way of life that it answers everything. Mankind, <laughs> in contrast, has to have tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of laws to try to cover everything. But God's law is really summed up in ten 
and even more so down to two, toward our attitude toward God and toward people. And those really are the two great commandments. So, but they cover everything in principle. There's nothing that is not covered in those two principles of our attitude and love toward God and toward man. Uh, he uses the ten to expand on that, and then uses the rest of the Bible to expand on the ten to help explain them to us better, uh, to give us more examples of what happens when we do or do not keep his instructions and follow his way of life. But a principle, no matter what your situation you might be facing, there is a principle somewhere within the law of God that's going to fix that problem. So, in principle, his law is so wide and so broad in spite of the fact that it can be expressed in one long sentence. So we study his word constantly to purge out Satan's way and man's way and to be replaced by the ways of God, which are going to make our relationships better. And he goes on to express his feelings in verse 97 about the law of God. Oh, how love I your law. It is my meditation all the day. The writer of this psalm had seen God's ways followed. He had seen people who did not follow God's ways. And I'm sure was quite familiar in his own life of the problems he created when he didn't follow God's way. So, he had come to love the law of God because it gives us a standard. It gives us a guideline to follow so that we might have success in life and in our relationships with God and man. So it's something he thinks about or thought about all the day. We have to check our attitudes, check our thoughts, check our way of doing things against God's law and think about it and meditate on whether that works or does not work well. You, through your commandments, have made me wiser than my enemies. Fear of the eternal is the beginning of wisdom. And as we study God's commands, his way of life, they are going to make us wiser than anyone around us. For they are ever with me. We meditate on, think on, read about his way of life as expressed in his laws. But they are ever with us. So our reactions might be more spiritual and more godly, more humble and more meek than they are proud and egocentric. If they're ever with us, if we're not really close to God in Bible study and prayer and fasting and meditation, then our reactions tend to be more fleshly and more carnal and harder to control, our mouths and everything. But if we are saturating our hearts and minds with God's way, then our reactions are going to be more godly. He says, I have more understanding than all my teachers. There are lots of teachers around us of various things in the world. There are an endless number of books and websites and various things where people are writing advice on people about their love life, about their business life, about this, about that, their teaching, their schools. It's just endless. World without end is the world of knowledge or books that are being published. 
but you don't have to read too many of those columns or those books to understand that understanding God's way gives us more than any of those people who have no basis except their own carnal reactions and human reactions for what they teach and propound to be the way to live. And you can find a way to handle male-female and romantic relationships oh, everywhere. How to make your relationships a success. And they don't have a clue. They don't know what to do. Here it is in God's Word. All through His Word tells us how to treat one another if we want to get along. So, yes, we have more understanding than all those people out in the world if we're following God's way. For your testimonies are my meditation. That's how he came to have understanding and all the teachers and all the wisdom of the world around him. And perhaps even nearly all of Israel. And if we have our heads in this book, we should come to have more understanding than the rest of the people and teachers even in the church. Because most do not have their heads in God's work, just going through the motions. And we're not doing the things that are required to cause us to act with wisdom and love and kindness and build our relationships according to God's way. I understand more than the ancients because I keep your precepts. Actually following and doing the way of God gives us understanding. Just reading it only gives so much understanding. But it's when you live it and do it, as opposed to your carnal, normal reactions, that you begin to understand more than all those generations behind who did not know or follow God's laws or only gave them lip service or barely followed them. So the more we think about them and apply them in our lives and realize when we've made a mistake that there's a better way of doing that, we learn, and hopefully we can learn more than the ancients knew because we keep his ways. I have refrained my feet from every evil way that I might keep your word. Now that implies that his feet wanted to go in evil ways. That is the carnal, the normal, the human reaction is to be selfish and greedy and want our way, and to do things our way, and to have things our way, and to get gratified in our senses, but those things lead to trouble and turmoil in our relationships, and we have to refrain our free feet from going that way, and keep his word. I have not departed from your judgments, for you have taught me. Hopefully by now we've learned enough, and followed God's laws enough, that we have learned and been taught that that's the best way to go. Whether it's his financial system or relationship systems or health systems, whatever it might be, his word contains the best way to do it so that everybody has the best chance at a happy, peaceful, loving life. That's what God's whole word is about. How sweet are your words to my taste. Yes, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Honey can give you a, a wonderful sweet taste that we as humans seem to truly enjoy. But if we have 
sour relationships, then life is not too pleasant. So if we learn his words and we sweeten things up, then we come to respect and appreciate his laws and his ways in our lives because we know that's the way to success. Through your precepts, I give understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. It's human to like the false ways. There's a way that seems right to a man, but the ends thereof are the ways of death. And that means that they really seem right. This is the way I ought to go. This is what I ought to do. This is how I ought to think because it makes me feel better at the moment. But it is a false way. And it will not lead to happiness, peace, and joy. It will lead to trouble. Therefore, we get understanding by following his ways and realize, hey, this does actually work better. Instead of being quick to anger and jumping Try to fix my metaphors there, but uh, jumping to conclusions and confusions and so on, uh, and falsely accusing, we might find that a false way does not really work, and it will come back on us. So doing it the loving, kind, positive, non-accusing, forgiving, and merciful way uh, is going to give us understanding that, hey, this works better. Your word is a lamp to my feet, and a light to my path. So, God is light, and following his words will lead us into light. If you don't have a light in your path, you stumble in the darkness and fall and can get hurt. But what he's saying here is the word of God shows us the path, shows us where to walk, so that we don't stumble and fall and have problems. It lights our way. If we go into the way of darkness in the world, then we will stumble and fall and we'll make a mess of our lives. Verse 106, I have sworn and I will perform it, that I will keep your righteous judgments. We commit ourselves, before we're baptized especially, to follow God's ways, and then we tell ourselves we'll perform it, perform it, but it doesn't always work that way. We are human, and we indeed have a willing spirit, but the flesh is weak, and we go back into old ways and ruts and make the same mistakes we've made for years and years, and it seems like so hard to change and overcome a way of thinking. It's like you get a car into some deep, muddy ruts. It's just really hard uh, to, to jerk it up out of them and get them get it up on harder, drier ground that they, the tra tires can travel better on. But we get these ruts of sin so deep in our minds that they're really, really hard to get out of. Uh, I guess power steering makes it a lot easier to get a car out of ruts. If you ever tried it in one that didn't have it, it it's almost impossible. With power steering, it's a lot easier. And that's what we need is power steering through the Spirit of God to steer us better into his ways and get us out of the ruts that we find ourselves in so often. <laughs> but we made a commitment and we have to live up to it and when we fail we start all over and thankfully he gives us a new day every day having forgiven us of the day before and hopefully we can get it better today than we did yesterday and maybe better tomorrow than today 
uh, and you'd think we could just keep getting better and better every day and in every way, but uh, that doesn't work that way, as it seems. We fall back, we make mistakes, but let's give each other the same thing that God gives us. He does not hold things against us. He forgives it and puts it away from his mind, and as far as the east is from the west, we could learn to do that with one another and not make everybody go through today what they went through yesterday and a month and a year and 10 and 20 years ago, we'd be a whole lot better off. God gives us a lot better chance than we often give each other. We need to work on that one so that we don't carry things over and hold people's feet to the fire, but let them repent, let them change, let them grow, and don't hold grudges against them. Grudges are Satan's way again. Forgiveness, mercy, and forgetting infractions is God's way. He loves, he absolutely loves to cover sin. Uh, that's why he sent his son to this earth, so that he might cover the whole world's sin, so that it might never be mentioned again throughout the universe. But all that would be left behind after everybody that is going to become a spirit is changed and the impractically wicked are burned up, then the past will never again come to mind. God is on a mission to get sin and rebellion and ego and pride and vanity out of the universe. Satan introduced it, man has perpetuated it, but God is going to get rid of it, even if he has to eternally kill some people in order to do it and bind Satan forevermore. God is going to have peace on earth. It is settled in heaven, and it is going to happen on this earth. The quicker we can get in line with that, uh, the better off we're going to be. It says verses 1 to 7. Now, here's somebody who has sworn and set his mind to perform and keep God's righteous judgments. And then he says in verse 107, almost in the same breath, I am afflicted very much. Quicken me, O Eternal, according to your word. So here's someone who has set himself to obey, and yet was having trouble with it, and creating problems for himself. And afflictions came upon him as a result of not following God's way of love properly. So he says, Quicken me according to your words, or cause me to be stirred up, and follow your words so that I quit being my own worst enemy and causing affliction on myself. Accept, I beseech you, the free will offerings of my mouth, O Eternal, and teach me your judgments. So he was offering uh, worship, honor, glory, offerings of the mind, of the heart, and the mouth to God, but still in need of being taught God's judgments. That's why today we are considering God's judgments, his laws, his words, because they are the way to successful living. And this author understood that. So as we read what he had to say, it should help us to understand what it's going to take for us to have the right kind of relationships and the right kind of community, the right kind of uh, church congregation that we ought to have. We still fall short, not perfect by any means, but the more we do what we're reading about today, the more successful we will be. I don't want to hear 
people say about how bad things are around here. I want to hear the good. I want that to encourage more good instead of discouraging people and saying, oh, well, things are all going to hell around here anyway. What difference does it make? I'll just drive. Well, that doesn't do us a bit of good. Let's be positive. 109. Uh, my soul is continually in my hand, yet do I not forget your law. So our life, our, our way of doing things, our hand, hand represents the ability to do things, and, and it's up to us. It's in our hands. How we live, what we do, is in our hands. So let's not forget his law. We have to direct our steps according to his law and make sure our hands find the right things to do. The wicked have laid a snare for me, uh, yet I err not from your precepts. You're going to have people that are going to be negative, they're going to be against you, they'll be putting you down, they'll be doing this, they'll be doing that. Uh, you're fighting upstream against public sentiments uh, and the approaches and attitudes that people have. That is always the way it will be, and yet we simply cannot depart from his ways. We can't be discouraged uh, by whatever said about us, whether it's by the world or by our own brethren. We have to stick to God's way and follow it regardless of what is brought against us, and to be patient and loving and kind with it, not defend ourselves, not always be trying to prove we're right, Christ didn't, you know, he didn't open his mouth, say a word when he had snares laid against him. He set the perfect example for us, and that one is a tough one to live up to. Defending self because of our pride and our ego is right on the tip of our tongue. Not my fault, got to be your fault. Hardest thing, as Herbert Armstrong said, for human beings to do is admit it's their fault or that they're wrong. Always we'll blame it on somebody else. It's just common, normal, human way or a way of human thinking that we have to expunge from our hearts and minds and learn to react in mercy and humility and not in self-defense. But we do it by very our very nature, and it's hard to change that, but it has to be done. Your testimonies have I taken as an heritage forever. I've committed myself, he says, to live your way. That is going to be my heritage, my example in life that I leave for others, and something I'm never going to change. I'll never leave your testimonies, your words, your law. For they are the rejoicing of my heart. And aren't they really for us? When we do things that are right, when we overcome, when we withstand temptation and so on, we can rejoice a little bit that, hey, I passed that one. I made it. I did okay. Uh, I followed God's law. Can't always do that, but when we do, without getting self-righteous, patting ourselves on the back, it can be a, a rejoicing, a, a happiness, a joy in the heart that we handle a relationship right and preserve it instead of making it worse, for instance. I have inclined in my heart to perform your statutes always. 
even to the end, end of his life, end of this age, whichever comes first at this point in life, to just live this way, not just sort of be hanging on and hoping I can be good till Christ comes. No, we need to become converted. His commandments convert the soul. They change it from carnal, human, selfish, greedy ways to outgoing, loving, giving, and kind ways. And that's the best way to live. We're just trying to hold on and not be carnal, not quit that law, so we burn it the fire. Is that to be conversion, or is that just will worship? Trying to desperately keep from breaking his laws when we want to, or do we convert, change the point we want to keep his laws? That is a difficult thing, and that's why conversion is never completed to perfection in this life because we're never completely converted to God's way. Conversion is a process. So he's stating the direction he wants his mind to go, but it's difficult to live up to that and to follow it all the way. I hate vain thoughts, but your law I love. We can open his word, we can read it, we hate the stuff that goes through our minds sometimes, but we do love his way. It's just that we have so much trouble following it, that's all. But that's our goal and our purpose. You are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. He's the place we go when we have trouble. A hiding place. Why do you have a hiding place? Because you got problems. And you're trying to hide from uh, the effects. And he is the place to go to get rid of the effects and to bring peace in our lives. He can shield us from the evil things in this world. Uh, that so easily beset us. I hope in your work. Hope is one of the big three. Faith, hope, and love. And it is his word that gives us hope. It is following his ways that begin to turn our lives around and bring us peace, joy, and happiness, and patience, and uh, long-suffering, and the things that are the fruit of his spirit. If we follow them, then that gives us hope. Hope for eternal, not just salvation, but eternal peace and happiness in a universe that follows God's ways completely. And there will be absolute perfect love because there will be perfect obedience. We cannot separate feelings of love from obedience to God's way because his way is love. That's what it's all about. That's what defines it. Well, you're speaking of those harsh commandments. No, the commandments are what produce the peace and the happiness and the love in our hearts and minds and make us able to have pleasant, peaceful relationships. Depart from me, you evildoers, for I will keep the commandments of my God. There are several places in Romans and in, well, several all through the writings of Paul where he tells us not to have fellowship with the world, not to be friends with the world. Uh, they are following evil ways. That, that doesn't mean that they're, everything they do is uh, intended to be evil. Some of them are pretty pleasant people. They're 
they're nice people, they're friendly people, they're, uh, to one degree or another, can be fun to be around. But the point is, they don't understand God's way, and they're going a selfish, greedy, human way, that's just natural to them, but good does not overcome evil. Evil overcomes good. So back here embedded in Psalm 119.115 is the advice that Paul gives us in the New Testament. Is stay away from evil doers. He even says don't have anything to do with an angry man. If somebody is full of anger and bitterness, then that will uh, sooner or later reflect on you and cause you to begin to have negative, bitter, angry attitudes. So we simply have to stay away from people that are in an angry or bitter or negative uh, mode of thinking. Maybe then, given time that they're part of the church, uh, they'll realize that, hey, I'm being cut off from uh, my brothers and sisters because of my attitude. I won't put up with it. You know, it's the person who accuses, who is angry, who uh, is negative and backstabbing, has their responsibility. They're not supposed to do that. But those who listen to that kind of thing are just as culpable. They are just as responsible because they're giving ear to that kind of attitude and they are enabling it. It's like you have an 800-pound person in a room that they have to cut the door out to get them out to take them to the hospital. Uh, they are enabled. People are bringing them buckets of Kentucky Fried Chicken and dozens of donuts or whatever it is that cause them to be 800 pounds. They can't even get out of the room and out of the house, but somebody is bringing it and giving it to them, and they think they're doing it in love. No, they're not. They're killing that person. They have a feeling or an emotion or a need to help this person who says they're hungry. No, that is not love to give them something that is harmful to them. That is a satanic, evil way, and it enables them to hurt themselves. So when we give ear to someone who is negative, angry, bitter, are in a bad attitude, then we are just as responsible as they are. I hope we can someday learn that point. But we get so curious, or we want to hear the latest, or whatever, so that we listen to, and then maybe or maybe not spread it, but we still listen. And that enables the person with the bitterness and the anger to vent it, to spread it to other people. Brethren, we have to stop it. Do we have enough spiritual understanding? Do we have enough control of our own thought processes and mouths that we will actually, even if it offends that person, tell them, no, I don't want to hear negativity. Nearly everybody, or I think I could safely say everybody sometimes listens to things that should not have been said, do not need to be heard. If it is the glory of God to cover it, 
listening to it does not cover it. And if you listen to it, you're just as bad as the person who's saying it. Let's get that. You're just as bad as the person who's saying it. And we enable them to continue it rather than cutting them off. You know, we say, well, you're not supposed to offend me. Well, that's true. Nobody is supposed to offend anybody. But then, on the other hand, it also says that we are never to take offense. It works both ways. We are not to take or give offense. And both in the Bible bear the same weight. So we can blame somebody else, well, they offended me, or I didn't like the way they approached me, or they didn't approach me right, or whatever our attitude might be, or they did this to me, or they weren't whatever you wanted them to be. You can be offended so very easily. But you can turn around and give offense just as easily. God says, don't give it and don't take it. Don't be offended. So he says, stay away from evildoers. Anyone who is doing evil, that means the world. We are not to have fellowship with the world. Our fellowship is to be with the Father and the Son, as John put it in First John, and with each other. And that's why we don't date outside the church. That's why we don't have our friendships outside the church. Oh, we can speak to people, and sometimes we have to work with people who do not understand God's way. But it'll drag us down if we're not careful. It's really easy to start being friendly with people you work with. Oh, well, come on over for a coffee or for a beer, or let's talk, or hang out at my place. The first thing you know, you're thinking the way they are, and uh, everything goes downhill. That's why God says, don't do that. Don't be around and mixed with people in the world except just on a peripheral or a maybe happenstance or type of thing, but not to be buddies with them and hang out and spend time with them because that will lead you to trouble. That's why we have rules uh, about dating as well. Can't date outside the church, can't marry outside the church because God says don't. That's why we have rules that we're not supposed to have kids from school and so on come over and visit in our place because those friendships develop. They start hanging out together, and first thing you know, things go downhill. Does that mean we're not to be friendly with people at school or in the world? No, but we should not be hanging out with them. It's not the way to go. God makes that very clear here and in the New Testament. So stand away from those who are following the way of the world and keep God's commandments. Verse 116, Uphold me according to your word that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. We can't be ashamed of God's way. Uh, we trust him, and he says he's faithful to us. His faithfulness to all generations in verse 90. So the plea here is to uphold us according to the things that he has said in his word, that if we'll do them, they'll set us free and make us happier and make our lives better. That I may live and live in peace and in prosperity and health. 
and not be ashamed of God's way in any way, because it's the best way, and not only that, it is going to take over and be the only way pretty soon. All of these people who are against it are going to either change or be gone. Hold you me up, and I shall be safe. And I will have respect to your statutes continually. So recognize God's ability to, to take care of us, to make us safe, and then respect his way, because how can we expect him to do his part, as it says here, if we don't do our part? That's the problem right now. God is always faithful. It's we who are unfaithful to him, and that's why the church has been all spewed out. And I don't want to create a gag reflex from God again. I've done enough of that in my life. I'd like to change that. Verse 118, you have trodden down all them that err from your statutes. Well, that is not a completed process, but it is happening, and it will be completed totally someday. For their deceit, this also. You put away all the wicked of the earth like dross. Therefore, I love your testimonies. Well, that's just the way it's going to be. People are going to either repent after all the horror that we're going to go through at the end of this age and go God's way, or they will be burned up like dross and never thought of again, because there will be perfect peace, harmony, unity, and love in the universe, all based on God's testimonies, his law, his way. That produces love. My flesh trembles for fear of you, and I am afraid of your judgments. But we, we should be in trembling and fear of God. That is the beginning of wisdom. Uh, I don't mean in uh, terror so that we, we're worried all the time, but if we keep his laws, they won't break us. See, why people don't like God's law is he puts a penalty with them. They don't want to keep his law because they want to do what they want to do, and then they fear the the penalty. But if we follow the truth, the way, the law of God, then it will set us free. It will set us free from a bad conscience. It will set us free from the effect of breaking his law. So we learn to tremble before him and realize that, hey, when I do things right, things go okay. When I do things wrong, I create affliction and trouble for myself. So it should teach us fear of God. I have done judgment and justice. Leave me not to my oppressors. That's really what the prophecies, that's what the whole Bible are all about. It's about relationships. Well, we go through the prophecies. It says don't oppress people. Don't misuse and abuse the widow and give the servant uh, what he deserves. And on and on it goes about relationships. Uh, so if we do the right kind of judgment and justice among and to each other, uh, God is going to save us from being oppressed too. Be surety for your servant for good. We, we like guarantees. We like to know that if we fail in some way, God will, someone will be there to pick it up, whether it's a financial deal or, or whether it's something else. But we want surety. We want insurance. We're a world that is, doesn't want to feel the effects of what they do. So they want somebody to pay for it other than them. 
But if we follow God's ways, then he will be our insurance. He will be our surety. Let not the proud oppress me. Uh, they will, even in this end time, they're going to try to oppress the church. But he says he will be our surety. He will be our insurance. He will take care of us. He will put us in a place of safety. We're counted worthy of that. So that they cannot. And he is the only protection that is going to be had. Otherwise, they'll fall in the holes in the rocks and pray that they fall on them. My eyes fail for your salvation, the word of your faithfulness. When we get older in this age right now, and we want to see all these things come to pass, but as we get older, our eyes fail to see what we want, and they even begin to fail physically for that matter. We want salvation, we want to be saved out of this world, and yet... Our eyes don't see that. That's some of the reason for our perplexities and difficulties that we have is we don't see what we want yet and we don't see his promises fulfilled yet. But they will be in due course. He's promised and he said there's a set time for it and it is going to happen. And he's even promised he's going to cut it short. Let the flesh be saved alive. One twenty four, deal with your servant according to your mercy, and teach me your statutes. We all want mercy, don't we? We want God to be kind and loving and merciful toward us. Well, that's what his law is all about, to teach us to be kind and merciful and loving toward one another and not hold each other's feet to the fire. If we could do that, then we'd be more like God. I am your servant. Give me understanding that I may know your We've declared ourselves to be servants of God. We still are self-serving to a great degree, but we have to keep fighting that and serve him and serve each other. And pray for better understanding on how to do that so we might know his testimonies, not just know them or read them, but to understand how to apply them so that they might produce the fruit of the Spirit. Verse 126, it is time for you, eternal, to work, for they have made void your law. Now, Satan rebelled against God's law. Adam and Eve rebelled against God's word, his laws, his way of living, and mankind has ever since. And even in the church, uh, we have those leadership that came that uh, voided the laws that it's done away with. Don't live by that. Just follow love. Well, it shows they have no spiritual comprehension and understanding. They think that the laws are evil and that love is a sweet emotion. And that's not true. The commandments of God express and produce peace, harmony, and happiness. And that's what love really is. It's breaking the law of God that ruins relationships. So you can have your little sticky, sweet feelings inside, but if you don't keep God's laws, your relationships aren't going to be any good anyway. It's voiding his law, his way of thinking, that has created the problems. It's the lack of love that there is. It says, therefore I love your commandments above gold. Yes, above fine gold. They're the ones, they're the things that produce... Security, 
all the good emotions and the fruit of the Spirit that we want. Therefore, I esteem all your precepts concerning all things to be right. We can just automatically assume and know, once we see it in action, that whatever God says is right, whether we like it or not. Sometimes we'll take exception to one or another of God's rules or his way or however he sets society up to run uh, in our lives. And we'll think we have a better way and that that isn't the way to do it. Well, no, his way is right. He's smarter than we are. He has it all figured out. So if he has things to say about health or wealth or marriage or whatever the position might be or how to manage things, you can know that it's the right way and will produce the best in the long run, no matter what seems right to you. We can just know that he's thought it all out and it is wonderful. Therefore, we keep them. 130, the inference of your words gives light. You have a room without understanding, and when his word comes in, it illuminates. It lights things up. It shows the right way. It gives understanding to the simple. Maybe we're ignorant. Maybe we're not educated. But God's words will give us understanding so that we're wiser than the mighty and the noble and the educated of this world. Just simply knowing the way to live as opposed to them. They're smarts and worldly wisdom, and yet they have all kinds of problems because they don't understand how to live. That's why Ambassador College was founded with that thought in mind. We're not teaching you how to make a living. We're teaching you how to live. And a lot can be said for that. Yeah, we need to learn how to make a living as well, uh, but we don't know how to go about relationships and business and marriage and friends and so on, then what good does it do? Because life is miserable if our relationships are miserable. But God can show the weak and the base his ways and his truths, and they can learn to give live together in peace and harmony as they keep his way. I opened my mouth and panted. For I long for your commandments. Deep desire to serve God. Look to me, look you upon me and be merciful to me as you use as you used to do to those that love your name. So we see those in the past in Hebrews eleven in the New Testament, various people. We like for us to receive the same mercy that David and Abraham and others received. Uh, as he treated them, we want to be treated the same way. Order my steps in your word, and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. So easy to let one particular thing or two things or whatever your weakness might be uh, dominate you and have dominion over you. So he's saying direct my steps so that nothing moves me, nothing dominates me, nothing becomes my Achilles heel or my problem that I can't overcome and can't control. Deliver me from the oppression of man, so will I keep your precepts. If we turn to God, he protects us, that encourages us to keep his ways. Make your face to shine.
our spiritual condition. And we're trying to cause His face now to shine upon us again. Teach me your statutes. It is sin, it is evil, it is anything contrary to His laws that makes His face turn away from us and to cause the gag reflex in His stomach and spew us out. Rivers of water run down my eyes because they keep not your law. We see the world around us that is sin sick, will not follow God's ways. People are making themselves miserable. Nations are miserable. The whole world is miserable. People fight on a personal level and we fight on an international level. It's just everything is so wrong. And it hurts us and makes us feel bad. And we cry out that God will send his kingdom to this earth so that his will be done here as it is in heaven. He does not allow sin within heaven except the temporary time that Satan is allowed still to be there, accusing you and me of everything that he can think of to accuse us of before God. But that is going to stop really soon, and there will be no more of it. Righteous are you, O Eternal, and upright are your judgments. Your testimonies that you have commanded are righteous, very faithful. Always giving honor and glory to God here, because his way is what produces love. My zeal has consumed me, because my enemies have forgotten your words. I was zealous, I was trying to do what was right, and it just eat me up. It seems impossible sometimes, so difficult. And everybody's contrary to your way. It's so hard to fight. Your word is very pure, therefore my servant loves it. He's purified it seven times, tried it, refined it, made it good. Sometimes I just long for knowing the right way to do even physical things. Because you see man experimenting on different farming methods or different ways to produce this or that or, or make vehicles and they pollute, and they kill and maim people. Isn't there a right way to have transportation without people being killed and maimed and the earth polluted? Isn't there a right way to plant crops and to fertilize and so on, as opposed to all the things they're doing that produce sickness and illness and disharmony? Uh, isn't there a right way to do it? But it's not always easy to discern. You know, they start using electricity. Well, I don't know, and they don't know all the right uses of electricity, what will work and what will not work, what will produce good, and what will eventually produce evil. We just don't know those things. We need Christ here and the Father to say, oh, no, that won't work. A hundred years from now, you'll have serious problems if you do that, or five years or five minutes from now, depending on what it is. <laughs> We need his wisdom and his understanding because he created all the laws of the universe, all the natural laws, gravity, everything, magnetism. It all was created by him, and he knows the right and proper way to do it. Uh, can we have energy to do things we want like electricity does? Maybe so. They're experimenting with wind generation, with solar generation. But there are pitfalls with it. 
they're probably not doing it all according to God's way that will produce the best, and therefore will suffer for it. So we need God's wisdom and even how to do everything on the face of this earth so that it works together in peace and harmony. Verse 141, I am small and despised, yet do I not forget your precepts. We may not amount to anything, and we might get discouraged real easily and think, well, what's the use? I can't seem to grow, I can't overcome, I can't be what I'm supposed to be. I know there are things wrong with me and I have trouble changing them. And he said that we should be like the publican and or, or the, uh, yeah, I guess the publican who bowed his head and said, forgive me, I'm a sinner, and couldn't even face God, as opposed to those who were so proud of themselves and had to brag about when they fasted, when they prayed, when they studied. They wanted everybody to know, I got my prayer and my study in. No, just do it quietly in your own room, and don't brag about it. Just live it. You know, just live it. We can, we can all brag about how much we prayed or how much we studied, uh, but if we don't live it, it doesn't make any difference. Uh, if we live it, then that's the difference that's made. That's why he said, go to your closet, do it in private, and then God will make it known in public, and your works and the way you do things is going to cause people to know that you do it, because it will be according to God's will. If you're doing stuff that isn't according to God's will, then... Your prayer and your study isn't doing you a whole lot of good anyhow. You're just going through the motions and bragging about it, but does your attitude change? You quit being negative? You start being positive and upright and encouraging people instead of discouraging them behind their backs or even to their face? No, we're small and despised. We don't amount to much, but we can't forget God's way because it will eventually produce peace if we follow it. Your righteousness is an everlasting righteousness, and your law is the truth. The truth and God's law are interchangeable, just like the law of God and love are perfectly interchangeable. There's no variance, there's no difference, you cannot separate them. <laughs> His righteousness is everlasting because he will always keep the true way. Trouble and anguish have taken hold on me, yet your commandments are my delight. So we all have trouble, we all have anguish, we all have difficulties, we're all suffering the way man has lived and the way we lived, both with our health and our minds, and, and yet we have recognized that this way is the delightful way and it will produce peace, happiness, and harmony in the long run. The righteousness of your testimonies is everlasting. Give me understanding, and I shall live. So he's saying the way to life, the way to life, abundant happiness and righteousness is in following God's testimonies, his testimony of the right way to live, as expressed in all these laws. I think we're going to stop there for today. We're getting close to time. But... Uh, Please do be remembering those who have illnesses and sicknesses and, and all kinds of difficulties. Uh, you can't begin to pray your way around our little development without, well, it's hard to skip a house where they don't have some kind of trouble. Uh, 
physically or or in some way. We just are the end time dying generation as a result of the sin and not following God's way, uh, and we're suffering for it. But God can forgive, and He can heal, and He's promised that He will. But we need to be sure that we're living according to His ways and His commandments and taking care of ourselves the best we possibly can at this point and changing some things and give our bodies a chance because He's made them to heal themselves, but we have polluted them to the point that they're dying. So we need to do our part to take care of them and then ask Him to make up the difference because even if you do start eating right and and living better and doing the things you ought to be doing at this point, the damage has been done to the point that uh, it's not easy, and we need God's help to get us over the hump. So uh, those who are having heart problems and health problems of various sundry things uh, need our prayers. So let's follow the law of God and show each other the love and the kindness of the concerned that that his law shows that we should do. So we'll stop there then at verse 144 for the day.